0: Spring is in the air, and with it comes hope, renewal, and new life. Just look at the flowers blossoming in your garden, thanks to your care. The folks at Deeks Insurance care about you, too. That's why they offer preferred rates for members of faith-based groups, multi-vehicle discounts, and savings when you bundle your home and auto insurance. As a licensed insurance brokerage since 1981, Deeks wants you to stop and smell the roses and not worry about insurance costs. Visit deeksinsurance.ca for a quote. Deeks Insurance, where family matters.
1: I remember one of our daughters having a massive meltdown, and I was trying to listen, but I found myself getting defensive, and finally Steve came in, and he said, can I take over? And I was like, by all means. (laughs) Thank (laughs) you, husband. Yes, and he just pulled that child on his lap, and he just said, tell me more, and really, Wow. Her meltdown had nothing to do with me. It had everything to do with the pressure she was facing at school, pressure from girlfriends, pressure for all the things. And Steve just kept saying, tell me more, hon. I love you. Tell me more.
0: Becky Harling is with us today on Focus on the Family, and uh, she's going to offer insights on how you can better listen to your children. Your
2: host is Focus president and author Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller. John, here's a news flash. As a parent, you know each of your children are different right? They I, have different I vents. was just thinking about that yeah. very thing.
0: It's, I had that you how'd know
2: that Gene and I had that with Trent and Troy Trent was that strong-willed kid, you know take out the garbage. Why? Why do we need to take out the garbage? <laughs> Troy would go, okay thanks, I'll do it. Sure dad, no problem. Anything else I could do for you? I mean, just They're two different just personalities. Just wired so very differently. Uh, but they have another thing in common, I think more so, and that is the desire to be heard. The, they wouldn't phrase it that way, but to be heard and respected. Hmm. And some adults might say, hey, kids don't need to hear that they don't need to express themselves they just need to do what I tell them to Mm -hmm. do right we don't actually mom and dad that's not the way to go today we're going to talk about how to listen so your kids will talk with you yeah this is uh, communication 101 it really bears repeating if you've heard this kind of thing before but
0: most of us uh, we just don't intuitively lean in that's why we have Becky Harling here with us to do that Uh, she's a speaker author a mom a grandmother of 14 grandkids And uh, she's a certified coach with the John Maxwell team and has written a number of books. Today we'll be uh, exploring some of the content in her book, How to Listen So Your Kids Will Talk. And uh, we encourage you to get a copy at focusonthefamily.ca or call 800-the letter A and the word family.
2: Becky, welcome to Focus on the Family.
1: Hey, it's great to be here with you. First timers, right? I I was here of quite a few years ago now, oh, really? but not as a guest on the show. Oh, okay. I was recording some content for Moody Publishers. Well, that's oh.
2: fantastic. Yeah. Hey, uh, you're the mother of four kids, so I'm sure you got this listening thing down. You've written the book now, so that <laughs> makes like you an, an expert. expert. Yeah. yeah. Well, exactly. <laughs> uh, but you also say in the book. You know, it's not always smooth and easy, even Mm -hmm. for a person who is trying to do it perfectly. So your daughter, Stephanie, uh, she kind of challenged you right out of the gate and you were at your wits end. Now every mom's leaning in. Now it sounds more like my life. (laughs) So what happened with Stephanie and why did you reach the end of your rope with her?
1: Well, and, you know, Steph was this adorable little girl. That's big, the first problem, eyes. isn't it? Oh, you're so cute.
2: <laughs> she was darling. And
1: she, she just was what I call our negotiator, you know. And so...
2: <laughs> I do know that kid. <laughs> yes.
1: And and so I would say one thing, and she would say, well, what about this, you know? and And I just remember there was one week where... She was negotiating a lot and I was blowing it as a parent. I mean, it, I want to be clear to say that I didn't do this perfectly, and that's why I wrote the book. You know, we write to our deepest need. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> really, and, and you know, I just remember there were times where I said no too quickly because I didn't have time. You know, we'd be on our way out the door, and Steph would have a brilliant idea, and it'd be like, No, we have to go to school now, you yeah. know. Oh, interesting. But at At four, that one week, it had just been a rough week, and I didn't feel like I had handled it well. And I just remember going before the Lord saying, Lord, I am messing up this child. She's going to need a lifetime of therapy because of me. You've got to show me what to do. And as I got quiet, the Lord spoke an interesting message to me. He said, give her a voice. And at that point, and I remember thinking, yeah. Lord,
2: are you sure about this?
1: Yeah. I, I remember saying, Lord, I'm pretty sure she has a voice. And he was like, give her a voice. Wow. And I realized I needed to change, not Steph. God had wired Steph with a strong personality because he had big plans for her. You know, I
2: hadn't thought about this looking at the book and the prep by the team, but um, man, it sounds like the Lord. You know, don't, don't prevent these kids... from coming to me I mean he even told that to the disciples let him come to me let him talk with me because the disciples were trying to keep the kids away from him isn't that funny yeah and here's the Lord telling you yeah give her a voice let her come to you let her talk with you
1: Yeah, and I I think as parents, you know, especially as Christian parents, sometimes we overemphasize obeying, you know, because that's what we've all been taught before we became parents, right? You teach them to obey. But I think the the bigger thing is connection with your kids because if they have a deeper connection with you, they're actually more likely to follow Jesus. Well,
2: that's what we're going to talk about for the whole program, really. That's the main thing, right? I'm laughing because of the uh, negotiator thing. I remember when Troy, when he read got into trouble Trent was his lawyer I mean <laughs> Trent would come to him I even said it at one time I said Troy, are you paying Trent as your attorney? And they are both laughing. And, yeah. you know, they're probably eight and yeah. six. Yeah. But that was the way it would be. I'd go, I'd be, you know, getting into Troy a little bit for something. And Trent would step up and say, but dad, blah, blah, blah. He'd lay them all out there. I said, can you leave the room? <laughs> I don't want to negotiate with you about your brother's misbehavior. Yeah. But well, it,
1: Steph would do the same for her younger sister. D- right. You know, Carrie was more compliant. And Steph would negotiate on her behalf.
2: <laughs> well, in fact, uh, years later, or you ended up asking your oldest daughter if you're a good listener. <laughs> How old was she when you asked that question? Maybe
1: eighteen, nineteen. Okay, that I don't was know. risky. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> what you are you thinking, mom? Yeah, what were you
2: thinking question? when you asked that? <laughs> so that was good, though. You asked the question, "My good listener," and what did she say?
1: She said, "Well, there was a long pause. Honestly, guys, I was expecting rave reviews because I thought I had, I thought I had had this down." And she said, "Well, sometimes you listen well." She said, but you interrupt me a lot. You dive in with your own story sometimes. And you give me a lot of advice. And honestly, <laughs> I don't want your advice. I want to feel heard. And I remember thinking, wow, nothing like honesty. <laughs>
2: right. And, mm-hmm. and even what's the age difference between that older daughter and, and Steph? The... Eight years. So, OK. Yeah. So did you learn a lot from that older daughter? And what, what's her name?
1: Her name is Bethany.
2: So Bethany and you and that experience, were, yeah. you able to, were you able to process that, digest it, and then apply it with your younger daughter's relationship? Yes,
1: but I want I The wanna... poor older
2: kids get the worst of us oh, as parents. Oh, they do.
1: <laughs> I, you know, as an adult, this, I, you apologize a lot, right? You're right. like, we just didn't know what we were doing. But, you know, you do learn along the way, but you have to keep learning, even yeah. now that my kids are- adults. Well, and keep I have asking, to learn.
2: Yeah, ask for forgiveness, the whole thing. You and your husband, Steve, had a couple of goals in mind as you were raising your children. I think this is really good. I, I resonated with this in the book. Uh, what were those uh, two goals and how does this tie into the idea of listening?
1: Yeah, we had two goals with our kids. We wanted them to grow up to love Jesus. Clearly, we couldn't control that. We wanted them to feel connected to us and to feel heard by us. And that meant that was something we could control. You know, we wanted them to feel comfortable coming to us. But that meant as parents, we needed to keep evaluating and, you know, considering how we listen.
2: You know, when you when you speak to that hope, that your children love Jesus, yeah. um, that is a paradigm shift in your parenting because then you won't be as intense. We need boundaries. We talk about that at Focus. You need the children to behave. That's, right. that's the proper thing, but it is an outcome. Yeah. The first thing is loving the Lord, and I think that's a, the absolute right first goal. and then how to get there so it's not behavior that you're aiming for it's the heart you're aiming for and then out of that hopefully the right behavior will be there but mom and dad it 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 won't be perfect and so don't expect that perfection but work on the heart of that child so when they're teenagers they're choosing more rightly than wrongly. Yeah. And then you could be proud of that. I mean, yeah. that's a good thing. But, but just to concentrate on the behavior is a mess.
1: Yes, it is. Because, you know, I always go back to the parable of the prodigal, you know, and Jesus' response or the father's response to that wayward kid huh. really spoke a lot to me in my parenting journey, you know, because yeah, he didn't stand good. back and say, man, my rule's my house, you know. He <laughs> runs to the kid. You know, right. and, and loves it. and forgives him. him. And forgives yeah, him, so and true. everything is about that connection.
2: Getting it back to listening, yeah. um, it involves more than just your ears, the actual function of listening, because you identify several types of nonverbal communication that's critical, and actually I think you cite a study in there that showed that 60-70% of communication is nonverbal. So for those of us that think it's only speaking and hearing, address that issue of the other nonverbals. What are they?
1: Yeah, and I I think your child... Needs to see your eyes light up when you walk in a room. You know, I did, once did a whole research study on how joy develops in the human brain, and it turns out that from the moment that child is an infant, when that infant sees your eyes light up to see them, you're developing their joy center, and I love that. And you can keep developing their joy yeah. center.
2: You know that that strikes me because, at least in my parenting experience, and even being around other young children, particularly uh, six month old, nine month old, yeah. When you do peekaboo. Isn't oh, yeah. it amazing how consistent they giggle and laugh at that yes. with peekaboo? Yes. That's kind of what you're talking yeah. about. That's yeah. a, a, Just doing that brings joy to them. They're giggling. I mean, yeah. they can't express it. They can't speak to it. But when you show your face and hide your face and show your face yeah. with a big smile for some reason, they love
1: that. Yeah. And you're building connection with mm. them because that bonding is happening in the eye-to-eye contact with the infant, you know? You
2: mentioned in your book uh, an experience you had with your daughter where she would say, why are you so angry with me? And you were like, I'm not. And I'm not And then you went and all. looked in a mirror. What was that?
1: Yeah. Well, okay. So, that was so, pretty
2: daring of you. Right. I think
1: mean, sometimes I can be pretty intense, right? I go for a goal or I write or whatever. And what I realized is that my face was expressing an emotion that I wasn't feeling. So I literally went in front of the mirror and practiced happy faces. <laughs> <you> <laughs> That's know? good. Because we've all made jokes about that angry mother look, right? And I didn't want to have that.
2: Yeah. What would you say to the parent who feels like they can't help themselves, you know, that shocked face? I think you give them the insight to get into a darker location when yeah, you're talking I do. to your I kids. Do.
1: Especially <laughs> with teenagers. You know, if you if they're opening up to you and you appear shocked, they're going to shut down right. immediately, right? So I found with our kids, when they were teens, the best place to talk to them was in the car, you know, where I would uh, avoid a shocked face because I was looking ahead. They were looking ahead at where I was. Driving and they would pour out their heart, and even if I <laughs> felt pretty shocked, funny. stop, mom, stop, <laughs> you're gonna hit that thing. <laughs> you have to be careful, right? So, I, yeah, so I, you know, but you really have to work on that as a parent, um, and so the that non-verbal. they will open up to yeah. you, yeah.
0: This focus on the family broadcast will continue in just a moment. Are you passionate about optimizing websites that deliver value, perform well, and engage their audience? Can you lead a project from start to finish? Named one of the best Christian workplaces in Canada, Focus on the Family Canada is looking for a web administrator to join and manage our dynamic web development team in Langley, B.C. If you or someone you know feels called to serve families, explore current job openings today at focusonthefamily.ca slash employment. Financial Moments with Tom Copeland.
3: Jesus said, give to Caesar what is Caesar and to God what is God's. Christian business owners must pay their corporate and personal taxes. However, the wise steward minimizes these taxes by obtaining professional tax advice. Here are seven tax planning ideas from a Canadian perspective. Determine the best way to take your income from the company, such as salary, dividends, or drawdown of a shareholder's loan account. Trigger capital gains in your corporation and pay out tax-free dividends by way of the capital dividend account. Generally pay donations personally, crystallize your capital gains exemption, use a family trust to income split, accumulate retirement savings at the low business rate in your operating company, and take dividends when your income is lower in retirement, and seven, acquire depreciable assets prior to your fiscal year end. If you would like specific tax advice for your business, call me at 416-818-2909 or look up Copeland CPA and send us an email. To learn more, check out copeland-ca.com.
0: Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming.
2: Becky, uh, let me ask you about your grandson Noah. I think he had some kind of explosive reaction. I'm glad to hear you're a very normal family, by the way. What did little sweet Noah do?
1: I know, he was precious. (laughs) So we were, uh, he was like... Oh, man. I want to say three at the time. He was little. And uh, he has a little sister, 20 months younger. And he had worked really hard on an art project. And little sister got jealous or whatever and came up and scribbled all over it. And he was so upset. And so mom took little sister off. Noah flipped the chair and was yelling. And I was like, Noah, do you know how to say the word frustrated? And he, he stopped for a minute, and he looked at me, and I said, say, I'm frustrated. And he said, i frustrated. <laughs> and, you know, I didn't think he got it. Later that day, I was explaining to him, you know, when somebody does something like that, it's okay to feel frustrated. So say you're frustrated.
2: Uh, let me ask you, while you're raising your kids, and this is a tender part of your book, Becky, while you're raising your kids, and maybe you can let us know how old the kids were at this time, you got diagnosed with cancer. I did. This may be, you know, I was thinking of that, because Jean and I have not had to face that. Mm. Um, The uniqueness of that. My mom died of cancer when I Mm, was nine. And, you know, there was a lot of blanks for me. She didn't have the capacity to really tell me. I think back then it was like, let's not tell the little one anything. So I was in a vacuum the whole time and she just died and nobody helped Mm. me understand what was happening. Yeah. How did you speak to your kids in that way and help give them a voice when you were going through your cancer?
1: Yeah, so a couple things come to mind. Um, I remember the diagnosis very well, and my husband and I gathered the kids. Uh, The two oldest were teens, and then we had like a 12-year-old and a 9-year-old. And so we gathered them, and we explained that I had cancer. We explained what was going to happen as far as the treatment. But I think a profound moment for me was after, you know, I had had an initial six-hour surgery. Uh, That's a lot of anesthesia. It really does a number on your brain. And um, I just remember feeling really, really tired after that for weeks. And I remember Carrie, our youngest, crawling up with me on the couch and just, Cuddling into me and saying, I miss the old mommy that had energy, you Mm. know? And in my heart, I felt really bad that I didn't have energy. You know, I wanted to say, Come on, Lord, do a miracle here. I need more energy. But I knew in that moment, I really needed to honor Carrie's feelings because I wanted her to keep being able to talk, right. you know, and so I, I said to her, you know what, sweetie, I miss that old mommy too, and I'm sorry this is hard, and I really had to, um, I had a lot of follow-up conversations actually with Carrie about that, because she was the youngest during that cancer journey, mm. you know, and so I had to listen to a lot of her feelings about that.
2: No, and I so appreciate that as the recipient, as that child, Yeah, you know, I would encourage parents to, in the age-appropriate way, Keep yeah. your children informed. It's so much better, even with a health issue. Yeah. But in an age-appropriate way, uh, you can help them emotionally process things yes. by talking with them. Yes. Let me let me turn a little bit to the older child, kind of the teen years, maybe yeah. going into junior high. Let's just pick the most difficult part of life. <laughs> <laughs> how, how do you begin to shift? Like when dealing with your nine-year-old daughter, now the thirteen-year-old or the twelve-year-old pre-adolescent. What, how are you encouraging them to have a voice when, you know, they can kind of care less if mom listens? Yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> did I do that well? You did. You know, whatever. whatever. <laughs> yes, whatever the role, the eye roll. You know, I, I think there, again, it goes back, your central goal as a parent is not to correct behavior. It's to develop connection so that that child and to pray for your child so that they hopefully will grow up with an openness to a connection with Jesus. And so you have to keep that at the forefront of your thinking because, I mean, we all know junior high years are wonky years, right? And Absolutely. kids go up and down. And I remember one of our daughters having a massive meltdown. I It was the beginning of high school, I think, so a little older than junior high. And I was trying to listen but I found myself getting defensive and it was just escalating. She was having this massive meltdown and I kept saying, "But I didn't mean to come across that way. I meant to come across this way." And finally Steve came in and he said, "Can I take over?" And I was like, "By all means. <laughs> Thank <laughs> and, you, husband." Yes. And he just pulled that child on his lap huh. and he just said, "Tell me more." And really Wow. Her meltdown had nothing to do with me. Huh. It had everything to do with the pressure she was facing at school, pressure from girlfriends, pressure for all the things. And Steve just kept saying, tell me more, hon. I love you. Tell me more. And she did. And I, I think that's an important concept for parents to get.
2: Yeah. And I mean, you're really hitting where I wanted the conversation to go. At some point in time, we have to let go and let our children make mistakes. I think that's always the fear of our parenting because I think we feel like it reflects upon us, right? How well they behave is our identity. Yeah. Uh, But in that context, uh, we do have to let go. Your son JJ experienced, I think something similar with his homework. Let's go to the next thing. Homework in junior high. Yeah. Um, What happened?
1: Well, and JJ was so, you know, you talked at the beginning of the show about how kids are all different. So we had our firstborn, Bethany, who, you know, did everything by the rules. Yes, that's And straight A's, you know, 98, 100. And we had JJ. He was just more like, yeah, why would I kill myself for those good grades like Bethany does when I can get by getting a 90 (laughs) with two minutes of work, you know. He was the
2: party organizer. Right, right. Yes.
1: (laughs) and so, you know, I just remember there was a season where he, he was really loving soccer and football, and recess is everything for a, a kid. And, you know, if you forgot your homework, you had to give up part of recess. And, you know, I didn't want my kids to suffer like any parent out there, right? I always wanted to dive in and rescue them, you know. Yes, that probably Mom. comes out of my childhood. Anyway, <laughs> so I took his homework. And I, on the third day, I took his homework. To school. Yeah. To school. For him. So that he would get to go out to recess. I felt bad for him. I'm like, okay, everybody knows that a 10 year old boy needs recess. So, but then Steve said, no, no, we're not going to take it anymore. He leaves it on the table. He gives up recess, you know. And it wasn't harsh at all. It was just letting him suffer the consequences of his choices. And, you know, after that, he didn't forget. Um, and
2: that's again that's a great picture of what we do Uh, speak to that same idea as the kids get older you know that 15 year old now yes the stakes are higher it's just (laughs) john John has now entered the conversation (laughs) Uh, uh, what does that look like through the different ages and stages especially the teen years
1: you know i i you have to be present enough to hear what's going on. I remember our youngest daughter going to a party, you know, and um, she was old enough to be driving. So she drove herself to the party. And then parents apparently weren't home. And a bunch of guys came in with a keg of beer. And the next morning, she told me, well, they brought in beer. And I said, you know, again, watching my face to not act shocked. (laughs) I said, well, what, did you do? She said, I grabbed my keys and said, I'm out of here. And I'm like, we're going to the mall. You can skip school today. You can buy any shirt you want. Oh because- my goodness. <laughs> it's reward time. Absolutely. That's behavior <laughs> where you want to reward. I'm yeah. like, you must have felt under so much pressure, but you did the right thing. And I'm so proud of you. And I, I want to reward this because you could have given in you know and she didn't and I I think we do want to reward those kind of behaviors
2: well and I you know there's going to be the parents listening right now that maybe their daughter their son didn't choose the right thing right did you have one of those experiences
1: you know we we didn't as far as drinking which I'm very very thankful for but
2: reflecting on it you know and writing the book in putting yourself in that position, even if your kids didn't, yes. how would you respond or how do you think you would have responded? I
1: think what's important for parents to know is that God loves your child even more than you do, huh. and he will not let go. There are going to be consequences. If your child drinks and they drive, right. they're going to get a DUI, right? And I, I had a friend whose daughter as a teen made the wrong choice, mm-hmm. drank, And ended up having to spend a night in the jail. And my friend didn't recognize the number, so never picked up her phone. Mm. But that experience changed her daughter's life. In a positive way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But God will never stop pursuing your child, no matter how dark it looks. Yeah, And
2: in that way, um, that brings me to the point and the important point to teach your kids that God is listening. Yes. And they can connect with the Lord. How do you feel you built that awareness in your children?
1: You know, we prayed all the time about everything. In fact, to this day, I have four adult kids, and they'll, they know that every morning I'm on my knees at 5 a.m., and so they're texting me prayer requests, and, you know, or they're calling saying, Hey, Mom, can you pray about this? So we, we modeled that, and, and we encouraged them. You can talk to God about anything. I remember going back to the cancer journey That Carrie, you know, I remember seeing her journal on the floor the night that we told them I had cancer, and she had written in her journal Dear God, I always thought nothing bad could happen to my mom, and now she has cancer. How could you let this happen? Mm. And it was such a profound prayer. On my little nine-year-old's part, and I remember laying in bed with her saying, you know, God is not going to leave us. It may feel like he's not listening right now, but he is listening. And teaching your kids that God is the God who bends down to listen, that he's always there. He's always ready to listen.
2: Uh, let's end here. I, I said at the beginning that listening involves more than just our ears. It's that nonverbal that we talked about. And all of these other methods that you've mentioned along the way, it's really about listening with our hearts, right? That's the yeah. way to think of it, that our heart is the main mechanism for listening, not yes. just the biology of the ear. Speak to the mom or dad who feel like they may have blown it. Um, you know, the kids are older, maybe in their 20s now. And if they ask that question that you are honest enough to answer, you know, how, how good a listener am I? That child adult child that might say you were a horrible listener i never felt like you listened to Mm -hmm. me at all Mm -hmm. all you did was lecture me Mm -hmm. wow i mean that would be a hard thing to hear as a parent um what would you say to them how can they change it
1: first of all i think open the conversation you know steve and i sat down with our four adult kids and all their spouses like maybe a year and a half ago and said okay guys what did we do right what did we do wrong huh To a kid. I mean, they told us honestly, but to a kid, you know what we did right in their eyes the best? We apologized when we were wrong, Mm. right? That's great, Yeah, you are going to make mistakes. Mm. So if you ask your kids, how did I do as a listener? And they come back with, I never felt heard by you. You didn't spend enough time with me. You were always preoccupied. What I would say is ask the Holy Spirit for the grace to apologize and then say to that child or that adult, this relationship is so important to me. I'm going to work on this because I want you to know I love and cherish you. And yes, I'm sorry for what I did. But this relationship is so important to me that I'll do whatever it takes to mend that connection yeah. with you.
2: Becky, this has been so good. Um, I know it's a bit lighthearted, but it's so serious in its in it goal to help you learn how to listen to your children. In your book, How to Listen So Your Kids Will Talk, is a great resource for parents. Get a copy of this great book by Becky. It's one of those resources, you know, we say this often, John, but it's because the team is scouring through thousands of books and manuscripts looking for the best of the best. And they do a wonderful job identifying those things that they know and we know you really need to have in your arsenal. And this is one of those resources. So support the ministry and purchase your copy of this great book, How to Listen So Your Kids Will Talk, at Focus on the Family Canada today. Donate as you can and request your copy of How to Listen So Your Kids Will Talk. Just go
0: online at focusonthefamily.ca or call 800-the letter A in the word family. That's 800-232-6459. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller inviting you back as we once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.